as you can tell, I'm fighting a little bit of a uh, cold this morning, so that's why I have some Kleenex, okay? Just in, th- just in case things get carried away. Um, there's no one sitting on the front row, which is a good thing this morning. Uh, wanted to welcome you to Grace Church, and uh, my name is Justin Ross. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace, and I also just wanted to say a special welcome to those of you watching on Facebook Live. I actually uh, ran into a friend of mine, uh, not literally, like just in passing, in Pagosa. I had a dentist appointment this past week, and um, and she was uh, telling me how she travels a lot, and she was flying, and she actually tunes in to Facebook Live and watches the services online, which I think is really incredible. And uh, we're seeing every week more and more people are really uh, tuning in and watching the messages and, and the services, and including uh, my wife is actually out of town right now. She's up in Denver with her parents, and she just sent me a text. She said, I'm watching on Facebook Live. You better preach well, all right? So I wanted to say hi to Tricia. I love you. I love you. I love you. All right. Um, <clears throat> I read a story of a woman who had finished her shopping and returned to her car to find four men inside of her car. I mean, imagine the terror, okay? You're, you're, you're finished shopping. You walk out. There's four men inside of your vehicle. She dropped her shopping bags. She drew a handgun from her purse. And with a forceful voice, she said, I have a gun, and I know how to use it. Get out of the car. And those men didn't wait for a second invitation. They got out of that car, and they ran like crazy. The woman, understandably shaken, she quickly loaded her shopping bags, and she got into the car. She just wanted to get home as quickly as possible. But no matter how hard she tried, she couldn't get her key into the ignition. And then it finally hit her. This isn't my car. (laughs) She looked, and indeed, her car was parked four or five parking spaces away. She got out, and she looked around to see if the men were near, and she loaded the bags into her own car, and then she drove to the police station, and she turned herself in. This is a true story. And the desk sergeant was there when she turned herself in, and after hearing her story, he nearly fell out of his chair laughing because he pointed to the other end of the counter where four men were reporting a carjacking by a woman with glasses and curly white hair less than five feet tall and carrying a large handgun. And uh, no, no charges were filed. She thought it was her car, but it really belonged to someone else. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about clarity in our stewardship. She thought it was her car, but it really belonged to someone else. And that's really the the whole point of this sermon this morning is that everything that you and I have, it doesn't belong to us. It's all God's. He owns it all. God owns everything. He owns that lady's car, and he owns the one that she mistakenly got into. And he owns everything that we call ours. He owns it all. David, the king of Israel, a mighty warrior, he said this in Psalms 24, verses 1 and 2. He said, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and he built it on the ocean depths. I had to... The, really the privilege to drive over to Alamosa yesterday to watch my boys play basketball. I'm driving over Wolf Creek Pass. I've driven over it. I, 
can't even count how many times, and it never gets old. You know, the snow and the, the mountain peaks and just the amazing scenery. And it, I think what, what it does for me, what it does for my heart, what it does for my, my soul is it just reminds me of how tiny I really am and how little control I really have. You see, God is the one who made everything. It all belongs to him. and He is the one who laid the earth's foundation. He is the one who uh, formed the seas and built it on the ocean depths. It all belongs to him. In the New Testament, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was an eyewitness to the life of Jesus Christ. He got to walk with him. He got to hear him teach. He got to encounter with Jesus Christ. And he said that not, not only does God own the world and its wealth, but he also owns us. He said this in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? God owns your body. And then he goes on to say, you do not belong to yourself. Your body is not your own to do with whatever you want to do with. Your body is the temple of God. He owns it all. You do not belong to yourself. You know, when you go to a hotel and you check into that hotel and sometimes you you give your bags to a steward and the steward takes the bags to your room and the reality is, though, is they're not his bags. You entrust your bags and their safekeeping to him for a short period of time. And the foundational principle is of stewardship is that God is the owner of it all. And just like that steward at the hotel, God has entrusted you with stuff. He's entrusted you with things, but they don't belong to you. They've been entrusted to you. But God is the owner. So... So what does that say about our relationship to the owner? What does that say about all the stuff that we're supposed to steward? You see, when we talk about clarity in our stewardship, like Keith said this morning already, so many of us, our mind goes immediately to money. But you know, money is actually just a small little speck of what we steward. What's so important is the the lives that we steward. The relationships, the marriages, the businesses, the, the, the money, the churches, and there's so much to steward, to stewardship. This is the stuff that God has entrusted to us. And so what is our relationship to the owner, to God? I would highly encourage you to take some notes. And I think um, you're going to learn some things today. God has some things to speak to you this morning. But first of all, you need to understand that he is the owner. I am the steward. He's the owner. I'm the steward. He's the owner. I'm the steward. As I'm saying that, it's helping me already. It's going to help you realize that, man, it's not like this. It's not like you're in control and everything. You have to, it's not yours. You want to start living like this. Because he's the owner. I'm just entrusted with it. I'm stewarding it. Everything I have today comes from God. It's his. I own nothing. David said that the world and everything in it belongs to God. I am not the owner of the things in my life. I am merely the steward of those things. You see, if I believe that I'm the owner, then I'm going to constantly be in conflict with God. I'm going to constantly be in conflict with God over 
what I do with the things that I have. I'm going to be clench-fisted. I'm not going to be generous. I'm, I'm going to be a tightwad because I'm trying to control everything. And God and I are always going to be at odds. But when I understand that the Lord is the owner and I am the steward, the conflict between God and myself disappears. And freedom overtakes my life. I want us to, to take a test right here this morning, all right? I love tests. Yeah, right, okay. That is a lie. Let's, but let's take a test just for fun. If, if you made 400 bucks last week, okay, just for the sake of the test, if you made 400 bucks last week and you came to church on a Sunday, the question is, is how much of that $400 belongs to God? And some might say, man, let me see. That's 10% of 400 is $40. I've heard this tithing teaching and this tithing principle. Um, so I think maybe it's 40 bucks belongs to God. You see, the principle of tithing doesn't mean that $40 is God's and the rest is yours. It all belongs to God. All 400 bucks is God's. It's all his. It all belongs to him. Everything came from God and everything belongs to God. What that means is how I use that 400 bucks. I want to use it for his glory. I want to use it to bless people, to help people. I want to use it to bless my family, to take care, to provide for my family. I want to use all of it for his glory. The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. This was a letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth. This church was really messed up. The people were, man, just basically doing everything wrong. And Paul was trying to clean up this church. And he said this in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. He said, for who sees anything different in you? Now, let me set the context here. This church was full of a bunch of arrogant, prideful people who were all self-sufficient, independent, I got this, I don't need God type of people. And Paul, he's not one to hold back any punches. He's a pretty blunt individual. He says, for who sees anything different in you? Like, what makes you so special? What do you have that you did not receive? What did you come into this world with when you were born? What did you come into this world with? Nothing. What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? The implied answer to the first two questions that Paul asked, he said, is there anything different? You know, who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? The implied answer is nothing. And the answer to the third question the third question is, why, you know, why do you boast in the things that you have as if you just did it all yourself? The implied answer is nothing, or I, I shouldn't rather. I shouldn't boast. Like I should be of a grateful mindset, a grateful heart, a thankful attitude for everything that I have. Even Moses, okay, Moses, the author of the first five letters of the Old Testament. Moses, an incredible leader in, in, in the scriptures, he cautioned us in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. And he says, he, God, did all of this. Okay? This was after God had done some incredible things to the nation of Israel and had provided and 
done incredible miracles. But he said, God did, did all of this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. And then verse 18, Moses says, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. He's the one. It's, it's just a, it's kind of a gut check for us, church. It's kind of, you know, like a, on your dashboard of your vehicle, like the check engine lights coming on. Sometimes you just got to remind yourself, like, man, who is the owner? Where did all this blessing and, and the stuff that I'm, I'm striving for and working towards, like, who gives me the breath and the power to do these things? It's God. And it's like a gut check. It just reminds us that we're not in charge. We're not in control. Man, God is the owner. And it helps us to focus on what's most important. The second thing and how we relate to the owner is as a steward, I have a divine responsibility. I have a divine responsibility. If God is the owner, then I am the steward who has been entrusted with his property. And I have to learn to think like a steward. You see, a steward oversees the owner's assets for the owner's benefits. A steward carries no sense of entitlement to the assets that he or she manages. And some people are so clench-fisted. They are so, they're like hoarders, you know. It's like, man, I can't let go of that, you know, that hand towel that has apples on it, you know, because it's my favorite hand towel. It's like, give the hand towel away. Like, don't be so in control of stuff. Don't let stuff control you. You see, the job of a steward is to find out what the owner wants. Man, what is, what is the owner, what does God want me to do with the stuff that I have? He's entrusted me with this stuff. What does he want me to do with it? Man, the job of a steward is to find out what the owner wants done with his assets. And then the job of a steward is to carry out the will of the owner. And this understanding, it affects how we live. It affects how we give. You might, you might ask, how? Like, how does that affect? How does it, having a mindset that everything belongs to God, that he's a steward, how does that affect me. When you understand that everything is God's and you're a steward, you will, you will, first of all, you'll give more abundantly because it doesn't belong to you anyways. And you give with faith knowing that God's going to give you more. It's like, I don't even really care about this stuff. I'm going to use it to bless people. I'm going to just give more abundantly. And let me tell you, I know some people who have this mindset and they're the most generous, abundantly giving people on this planet. They, they give crazy. They just give abundantly, and they enjoy it. They're really weird. King David, the most powerful man on earth, he understood this owner-steward relationship, and after receiving a tremendous offering, okay, this whole nation, they, they collected this big offering to build this temple, and this is what David responded. I mean, they had raised millions and millions of dollars, and that is kind of this critical moment where David could have been like, Dang, look what I did, you know. I'm the man. I'm the king of Israel. But he said this in 1 Chronicles 29, 14. But who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you, God? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. Like, Man, what an awesome mindset. What an awesome heart. Like, who am I? that we could 
give anything to God. You know, David was thinking like a steward, not an owner. I was reading a book by Randy Alcorn, and he tells the story of Jerry Cabin. Jerry actually um, lived in Boise, Idaho, and Jerry was a very successful individual. He had a successful restaurant chain. He had two banks. He had a ranch, a farm. He had a bunch of real estate ventures. And at 59, Jerry was searching for a nice lakeside retirement home, as he should, right? The American dream. But the Lord, his owner, had other plans. And Jerry said, God led us to put our money and our time overseas. And it has been exciting. Before, we gave token amounts, but now we put substantial money into missions. We often go on trips to India, and we're investing into people. And when asked what changed the Cavan's attitudes towards giving, the answer came quickly. And Jerry Cavan said, once we understood that we were giving away God's money to do God's work, we discovered peace and joy like we never had back when we thought it was our money. Man, isn't that incredible? You see, a good steward, the other benefit of being a good steward or what, what, what happens is a, a good steward will give more sacrificially. That's the second thing. A good steward will give more sacrificially. Second Corinthians chapter 8, Paul tells the story of the Macedonian Christians. And the Macedonian Christians were under persecution, they were a very poor people. Because I know, I know you're sitting there and you're like, oh, the cabins, oh, the rich person example. Okay, now I'm going to give you a poor person example, okay? The Macedonian Christians had nothing, very little, very poor people. But they gave sacrificially. And this is what Paul testifies about of the Macedonian believers. He says this in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. And remember, he's writing to this church in Corinth who were kind of overprivileged Christians who weren't really doing much for the kingdom. He's reminding them, okay, this is, this is what the kingdom should be more about. Let me read it. It says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. I didn't highlight that, but you should underline that. Okay? I, I'm not preaching this message this morning to try to guilt you into giving. That's the last thing I want to do. I want you to learn to give abundantly from your own free will because you're in love with God and you're all about his kingdom and what he's doing in this world. That's what these Macedonian believers, they gave of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Okay, So they were giving funds, they were sacrificially giving for other Christians in Jerusalem. Verse 5. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. 
Man, their first action, your first action before you even think about money is to give yourself to the Lord. To say, God, here am I, use me. That's what the Macedonian Christians did. And once again, let me highlight what we read there. They were filled with abundant joy, which overflowed into rich generosity. Stressed out? Tired of just chasing money? Tired of chasing the American dream? You just feel like it's always falling short? Man, think about the Macedonian Christians. Extremely poor, extremely generous, full of abundant joy. The third thing that happens when you understand the steward-owner concept is you give more joy, joyfully. The Apostle Paul once again said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, that God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. Joyful giving is a sign that, that the giver understands this owner-steward relationship. And cheerful giving can only come from a heart that is set on things above, not on earthly things. Because sometimes earthly things, it doesn't make sense. Man, it is sometimes scary to give when you don't feel like you have it. But God loves a cheerful giver because givers like that are investing in the kingdom. They're investing in heaven. And it reaps eternal dividends. It's like the best investment you can make. When the, when the tabernacle was being built in the Old Testament, people, they got caught up in the joy of giving. Like, this is, this is foreign to me, too. I have to be honest. I know this is foreign to us. But they got caught up in the joy of giving, so much so that they had to be restrained from giving more. Can you imagine that? I can't even imagine that, okay? But Moses said this in Exodus 36, verses 4 through 7. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary, they left their work. And they went to Moses and reported, the people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. Verse 6. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. And so the people stopped bringing their uh, sacred offerings. In verse 7, their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. You know, we, we, have, a, we have a vision here at Grace Church, and that vision is, is that we are imperfect people. That's you, by the way. That's me. We're imperfect. And we're leveraging everything that we have, that we're stewarding. We're leveraging it for those who are far from Jesus. God did not intend for us to play church, for us to just come for an hour on Sunday and walk away unchanged. His intention, his goal for the church was for us to use what he's entrusted to us so that we could see those far from Jesus come to Jesus. And you know what? I believe that God has given us right here in this church through your gifts, your talents, your resources, your abilities. He's given us more than enough to accomplish what he has given us to accomplish, the vision that he has given us to fulfill. The question is, are we going to live like this? Or are we going to live like this? Moses basically had to get up in front of the nation of Israel and he had to say, enough already! Like, stop giving! 
You see, we give because everything is God's to begin with. The scriptures teach us both by mandate and by model that we are to give abundantly. We're to give joyfully and we're to give sacrificially. As a steward, it's important to remember that that you're going to give an account, okay? I'm just talking about some of the benefits of being a steward and understanding the steward-owner concept. But now let's talk about some of the practical things that are really going to happen. And the first uh, thing that we see is that the steward is going to give an account. You're going to give an account for how you steward what's been entrusted to you. I'm held accountable to God because he, as the owner, has expectations of the steward. The owner has the complete right to a full disclosure of what's been done with his property, of what's been done with what's been entrusted to you. Our stewarding of his property will, it's going to undergo a job evaluation, okay, or performance evaluation. You're going to give an account for what you steward. Each of us will give a personal account to God, and God will want to know a few things. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of interested, like, man, what's God going to want to know? What's he going to take into account when it comes to the things that I steward? So let's talk about some of those things. The first thing that God is going to give an account of or he's going to inspect is our, he's going to give an account of how we stewarded ourselves. How did you steward yourself? And let me tell you, the hardest person to lead is yourself. Is that person that you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, that person that's looking back at you is the hardest person to lead. But you're going to give an account for how you stewarded yourself. The owner will check our devotion to him. That's what Paul wrote in Romans 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, Paul said, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Give your bodies to God. He's gonna give, you're going to give an account of how you stewarded yourself. Secondly, you're going to give an account of how you stewarded relationships, a.k.a. people. Okay? How did you steward the relationships, your, your spouse, your children, your friends, your, your relationships? And listen, I understand relationships are tricky. Each one is different. Sometimes they're messy. Sometimes they're complicated and painful. Yet, What's crazy is, is we can't flourish without them. Like we so desperately need relationship and community and connection. But in living life with others, we are called as the people of God to be salt and to be light in this world. Our relationships are a way of proclaiming the gospel and God's glory. Your marriage is a testimony to the world. How you raise your children, it, it says something, it speaks to the world. It proclaims God's glory to the world. How you treat your customers as a business owner, it proclaims the gospel to the world. How we treat and how we love people really, really matters. It really does. We're also going to give an account for our our possessions. That's kind of an obvious one. He's going to hold us accountable. He's going to hold me accountable for what I've done with the things that he's entrusted to me. One of the final stories that Jesus gave while he was on this earth, he talked about a master who entrusted his possessions to three different servants while he was away. 
And the master, after returning, held each servant responsible for how he had used or how he had invested what had been entrusted to him. You you can find that story in Matthew chapter 25. I encourage you to read it. Man, it's powerful. God held them accountable for how they invested or how they used what had been entrusted to them. We're also going to be held accountable for how we stewarded our time. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. This is the Apostle Paul again. Verses 15 through 17, Paul says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I mean, live each day to the fullest. Get up in the morning, go bed at night. Go to bed at night knowing that you gave your best, you gave your all. Live it all to the fullest. And then we're also going to give an account for our giftings and our abilities. How did we steward what God entrusted to us? You may not know this, but most of you probably do. Some of you, maybe maybe you don't, but each one of us have been gifted by God. And you have giftings, you have talents, you have abilities. And you're going to give an account of how you use those for his glory. And let me just be crystal clear, it all doesn't have to happen in the church. I think one of the biggest misunderstandings is sometimes people think, man, if I, if I can't sing or I, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not really good with kids and I'm not a great communicator, so there's no place for me in the church. That's, that is like the biggest lie that's out there. Man, how you function in your workplace, how you function and, and how you live outside of these walls is most important. And how you use your gifts and your abilities is critical. The owner will examine what we've done with the gifts and the abilities that he's given us. Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. I like to remind us that Peter was an eyewitness of Jesus' life. And Peter said this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So God, my owner, he expects me to take these spiritual gifts, these abilities that he's entrusted to me, and he expects me to use them for his glory. You might be like, man, I think church is boring. I can't find a place for myself in the church. Like, I, I feel like it's just a ritual, you know. Listen, you need to take ownership. You need to put the responsibility on your own shoulders, and you need to find out how you're gifted. We have some resources here at the church. We call it the Shape Inventory, where we can help you find out how God has gifted you. And you need to take ownership of that. Find out how God has gifted you. And listen, when you find your giftings, when you find how God has made you, man, it's incredible. It's an incredible journey when you unleash your giftings for the kingdom. And God has entrusted me to manage my time, my possessions, my abilities, even my very being. And all are to be used for his glory, for his honor. I'm going to be held accountable for how I used these things. And listen, the owner has high expectations. The owner has high expectations that I will serve him and I'll grow to think and to care and to love like he does. So if the examination or the, you know, the review was this morning, like if you were to stand before God this morning, if the owner called you to give an account, 
what would the record say about your stewardship? Would it reflect a humble belief that, man, you're only managing, you're only stewarding what he owns? Would joy and cheer mark your life as, as one who gives generously because you know your investment is gaining heavenly treasure? And some of us, we need to rethink how we're spending our resources for Christ and how we're investing our time and our energy and our giftings for his kingdom. You know, the white-haired lady was mistaken as she went to the wrong car. She, you know, pulled out this big old handgun. She was mistaken when she went to the wrong car. She sent the passengers, you know, running for their lives. But hers was an honest mistake. It wasn't her car. And she wasn't held accountable for her actions. But the difference is, is we are going to be held accountable for our actions. And I hope this doesn't put fear in you or guilt you. I hope it inspires you to live each and every day to the fullest and to take what God has entrusted you and to do something with it for this broken and dying world, to make a difference in this community. Because, man, the worst thing that could happen is for you to just coast through and to look back on your life full of regret and no difference has been made. And I pray against that for you. Man, all that we call ours is actually his. And my prayer this morning, my prayer for you, for our church, for our families, is that we will and that we do steward well what he's entrusted to us. I'm going to close in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for all that you've entrusted to us, that you've given to us. I know when I think of stewardship, what immediately comes to mind is my family. God, I pray that you would help me. I pray that you'd help us to steward our marriage as well, to invest in our marriages, to take time to speak love to each other, to, to be kind to one another, to uh, show acts of kindness to each other. Lord, I also pray that we would take the time to steward our parenting well, man, to, to pray with our kids before bed, to read scriptures with them, to tell them where we've messed up and to just share our life with them and to be real and to be honest with our children and to raise them up as best we can to follow you, God. Lord, I also think of our church. I think of people that own businesses. I think of the resources that you've entrusted to us, God. Help us to steward those things well. And I pray that we would more and more as individuals and as a church better understand this owner-stewardship relationship. Help us to realize that nothing is ours. Help us to be more free with our giving and to be more generous. And God, I just pray that you would be glorified and the kingdom would be stronger because of it. In Jesus' name, amen.